The story of Solomon Bip Fawn is well known throughout Pennsylvania's Cumberland Valley, and it is a classic tale of a runaway slave who, despite unbelievable odds, finds freedom north of the Mason-Dixon line and lives out the remainder of his days in peace and prosperity. There are many different versions of the story. In some accounts, Bip dies at a ripe old age and is buried on his farm in Mont Alto in Franklin County, while other versions of the story have him retiring to Ohio or Southern California. The story is so well known in Franklin County that the website findagrave.com even has a page devoted to his burial place. But what is the truth, if there is any, behind this classic Pennsylvania fable? Much of what we know about Bip's life comes from newspaper accounts published after his death. Vaughn was supposedly born in Africa and was reputedly the son of a king, tribal chieftain, or some other important personage. He remembered that his father, along with many wives and concubines, lived in a bark hut surrounded by big-leaved trees, and that his father was always treated with reverence by the other tribal members. He recalled that his parents wore enormous gold and brass hoops in their ears, and that his mother wore broad bracelets around her wrists. Vaughn recalled that when he was just a small boy of about five years of age, his entire family, along with other members of his tribe, were seized by members of an enemy tribe and marched in shackles a long distance to the coast, where they were portioned off to a number of white men who carried them away in boats. Bip Vaughn never saw his father again, though he and his mother were corralled into the same vessel with hundreds of other captives, many of whom perished during the long sea voyage. When the ship landed, Vaughn and his mother were taken away by a dark, cruel-looking man with a wide straw hat who put them into a wooden enclosure. The following day, a white man selected the boy and his mother, and they were carried away to a large plantation. The mother was immediately put to work in the fields. It was only years later when Vaughn discovered that he was in Cuba. When Vaughn was 15, he, along with a number of other teenage slaves, were sold to the owner of a sugar plantation in New Orleans. Bip, as he was now called, would never see his mother again. Bip was purchased at an auction by a man named Delacroix, who in turn sold him to an Arkansas cotton planter by the name of Ricks, whose plantation was in the Little Rock area. Bip spent four years on the Ricks plantation, and even though Ricks was a kind master who treated his slaves well, Bip was determined to escape. Ricks rewarded his slaves with one day of freedom each year, and Bip seized this opportunity to flee. One night, late in the fall of 1821, Vaughn made a break for freedom. He had no idea where he was, or where he was going, and even had less of an idea of what he was going to do when he got there. He proceeded in the direction he perceived as north, deciding to walk as straight a course as he could until he found the Mason-Dixon line. He traveled by night and slept by day, wading across rivers and floundering through swamps. He satisfied his hunger by digging in the mud for turtles and eating them raw. On the third night of his journey, he came suddenly to a clearing in the woods illuminated by the light of a full moon. Bip cautiously explored the area, which he believed was in the vicinity of Prairie Grove, 
and found it to be a face camp. In those days, when much of northern Arkansas was wilderness, settlers from other states set up these simple open-faced shanties in order to stake a claim on the land. They would live for a year in these shanties, or face camps, until they could plant and harvest their first crop, and then they would use these earnings to build a permanent home. This face camp was a crude shack, enclosed on only three sides. Because the climate in that part of the state was mild, and settlers were racing against each other to establish their claims, these squatters saw no need of wasting time building a proper cabin. When Bip came upon this camp, he was naturally cautious, though desperately hungry. He saw the carcass of a freshly killed deer hanging from a pole in the clearing, and slowly crept toward the deer with a knife in his hands, intending on hacking off a chunk of meat. But Bip had scarcely made it into the moonlit clearing when he saw two large, black creatures skulking in the shadows near the pole. Bip watched the two bears with curiosity, but suddenly the settler's dogs sprang out of the shack and attacked the bears, awakening the owner of the camp in the process, along with his wife and three children. A fierce battle between man and beast ensued, and Bip, thinking only of his own safety, fled into the woods. But when he remembered the fearful faces of the settler's three young children, his conscience compelled him to run back into the clearing and render assistance to the pioneer family. He arrived just in time to see the settler pinned to the floor of the shanty by one bear, while the other hovered nearby menacingly. As the settler's wife and children screamed hysterically, Bip thrust his knife into the breast of the bear that was on top of the helpless man, then turned his attention to the second Bruin. Bip seized the bear by its ear, and with a powerful jerk pulled its head upward. With one lightning-quick movement, Bip slashed the animal's throat. The bear rose up on its haunches, staggered, and then fell dead on top of Bip, knocking him out cold and knocking down the primitive shanty. When Bip awoke, he discovered that it was daylight and that he was buried beneath a pile of boards and shingles. Upon extricating himself from the debris, he saw a big-whiskered man consoling a young woman and her two weeping children. The baby had been killed when the shanty collapsed, and Bip, fearing that the settler would blame him for the tragedy, turned to run. But the whiskered settler stopped him and told him that he had probably saved their lives. Bip helped the man rebuild his shanty and bury the baby, and in the process learned that the settler was Israel Vaughn, a Baptist preacher from Pennsylvania who had gone to Arkansas to minister to the pioneers. Vaughn asked Bip if he was the slave who had escaped from Rix's plantation, and Bip confessed. After the child had been buried, Vaughn left to attend to some business in Little Rock, but bade the fugitive slave to remain at the face camp until his return, assuring him that he would assist him on his journey to freedom. When Israel Vaughn returned a few days later, he presented Bip with a bill of sale showing that he had legally purchased Bip from Ricks while in Little Rock. This sale meant that Bip was no longer a fugitive and had no need to worry about being recaptured. He remained with the Vaughn family in the Arkansas wilderness until 1830, taking the name of Solomon Vaughn. 
That year, Bip and the Vaughn family settled in Miami County, Ohio. Israel Vaughn died in Ohio in 1835, and after the death of his benefactor, Bip relocated to Virginia, where he remained until the outbreak of the Civil War. He eventually made it northward to the Cumberland Valley of Pennsylvania, and spent the remainder of his days as a farmhand in various parts of Cumberland and Franklin counties. Upon his death in August of 1887, he was buried in an unmarked plot on a farm near Mont Alto, owned by the famed abolitionist Thaddeus Stevens. Or, at least that's how one version of the story goes, the well-known Pennsylvania version. A different version of the story comes from another famed abolitionist, but not Thaddeus Stevens of Pennsylvania, but Reverend Henry Ward Beecher of Connecticut. In January of 1885, Beecher corresponded with, quote, an aged Negro in the Pomona Valley of California named Samuel Braid, who died near Lordsburg at the age of 85. Beecher had learned about Braid through the latter's prayer meetings, in which Braid would tell colorful stories about his past as a slave. According to newspaper accounts, Braid's prayer meetings were attended by hundreds of white and black worshippers alike, and, as you might have guessed, these stories included being born to African royalty, being sold into slavery in Cuba, escaping from the Ricks Plantation in Arkansas, and saving Israel Vaughn from marauding bears. In fact, Beecher's version of Braid's life story, which was published in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette on August 20th, 1894, matches an earlier description of the Bip Vaughn story that the very same newspaper published in 1887. And, except for the first paragraph, it matches it virtually word for word, right down to the, quote, bark hut surrounded by big leaf trees. In both stories, the slave in question is named Bip, though in one story he takes the name of Solomon Vaughn, while in the Beecher version of the story, he takes the name Samuel Braid. In the Pennsylvania version of the story, Bip dies of old age in the Cumberland Valley, while in the Beecher version, Bip dies of old age in Lordsburg, which is the present-day city of Laverne in Los Angeles County. So which version is the truth, and which is fiction? Is it possible that a black man in California read the Bip Vaughn story from 1887 and spent the next seven years pretending to be him? Or was Samuel Braid the original Bip and Solomon Vaughn the imposter? Or is it possible that both stories are nothing more than fictitious, escape-from-bondage parables concocted by anti-slavery preachers? Not surprisingly, there exists no census records or death certificates for anyone named Solomon Vaughn or Samuel Braid who fit in with the story. The only Solomon Vaughn appearing on a U.S. census record is a white man from Huntington County born in 1848 not a black man born in or around 1800. And it appears that there was a black man named Samuel Braid who came to America from Cuba, but this occurred in 1920, long after the abolishment of slavery, and he never lived in California. For that matter, there is also no record of Israel Vaughn in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Arkansas, or any other state. 
There is also no record of a plantation owner from Arkansas named Ricks, and even if there was, it's highly unlikely that he'd ever allow his slaves one day a year of total freedom. And even if Bip did manage to escape from a plantation in Little Rock, there's no way he would have been able to reach Prairie Grove in three days on foot, because Prairie Grove is 200 miles northwest of Little Rock, not far from the Oklahoma border. And this, of course, begs the question, what are the odds that a fugitive slave could slog 200 miles to a clearing in the wilderness only to run smack dab into a frontier preacher who just so happened to know the slave's master? The legend that Bip Vaughn was buried in an unmarked grave on land owned by Thaddeus Stevens is also highly suspect. While it's true that Stevens owned property around Mont Alto, the property in question was an iron furnace, not a farm, and any Thaddeus Stevens researcher will tell you that Stevens, who died in 1868, never married and never had children. Upon Stevens's death, much of his estate was bequeathed to his longtime housekeeper, Lydia Hamilton Smith. But Smith herself died in 1884, three years before the supposed death of Bip Vaughn. So who was left to permit the burial of Bip Vaughn on Stephen's property? It simply does not make sense. In all likelihood, there never was a former slave named Bip Vaughn who lived or died in Pennsylvania. But if there was, it is possible that some fellow from California stumbled across a newspaper story, plagiarized it, and submitted it to Reverend Henry Ward Beecher as his own autobiography. We know that this must have been the case because the first version of the Solomon Vaughn story appearing in print comes from 1887, while the first mention of Samuel Braid doesn't appear until 1890. In the years that followed, other papers picked up the Braid story, and some of these stories even included sketches of the man in question. One such drawing comes from the August 5, 1894 edition of the Chicago Tribune. Not surprisingly, this particular BIP story, and several others like it, are copied verbatim from the original 1887 story about Solomon Vaughn. Other similar stories also appeared in print around this time, which would seem to indicate that the antebellum South was teeming with bear-killing, preacher-saving slaves descended from African royalty. These stories almost always begin the same way. There died in, name of town, the other day a pure African-born Negro named, insert name here, otherwise known as Bip. There are, of course, many variations as well, such as a rather racist version published by the New York Sun on July 27, 1897, which places Bip in North Carolina. While it's unlikely that the Pennsylvania Bip ever existed, it does seem evident, at least to this historian's mind, that our state was the birthplace of the legend. I've encountered dozens, if not hundreds, of weathered old headstones inscribed with the Vaughn family name in graveyards across Juniata, Mifflin, and Huntington counties. As these pioneering families spread to other parts of the country, the spelling of the name was changed from V-A-W-N to V-A-U-G-H-N or V-A-U-G-H-A-N. But here in Pennsylvania, there are many folks still going by the V-A-W-N spelling, just as their ancestors did over two centuries ago.
If you enjoyed this podcast, look for my latest book, Pennsylvania Oddities, Volume 2, available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Walmart.com, or through the Sunbury Press website at www.sunburypressstore.com. The Pennsylvania Oddities podcast is written, produced, and narrated by Marlon Bressy. Theme music composed by Marlon Bressy. Sound effects courtesy of freesound.org. Find the Pennsylvania Oddities podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and anywhere else you find your favorite programs. New episodes on the 1st and 15th of every month. Bye-bye.